0: This is Will Kanzel, and you're listening to Paving a Path Podcast.
1: What's up, everybody? And welcome to the very first, very special episode of Paving a Path Podcast. My name's Jordan Miller, and I'm going to be your host. Uh, you may have some special special hosts or some friends hosting or whatever later on down the road, but for now, it's just going to be me. And uh, this podcast is based around, you know, musicians and artists and management and A&R and all these people in the music industry and how they paved their path along the way. And hopefully, it'll help some of you, uh, some of you folks out there listening. So um, yeah, just a couple things before we get to the first guest. Uh, As far as my solo record goes, it is now going to the mixing stage, and I couldn't be more excited to hand that off and uh, to see what it comes back sounding like. And um, so that should be finished up here soon in the next few months. Um, As far as the highway natives go, we're going to be in Macon, Georgia on September 14th. Uh, that's this coming Saturday, I believe. So if, uh, anybody is out there in Macon and wants to come check us out, be sure to do that. We're playing at the Rookery. Uh, I believe it's called the Creek Stage at the Rookery. Um, we're also going back in the studio this week, uh, and the rest of this month. We're going to try to finish up our record that we're doing. Uh, we're actually doing that with, uh, today's guest. Um, but you can follow along on all that stuff online, social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook. My personal is at Jordan Miller Sounds. If you're interested in checking out what's going on with the Highway Natives, that's going to be at Highway Natives. Um, but anyways, let's get to the fun stuff. I got a good friend. Will Kenzel, came in. He's an engineer, uh, producer, mixer, musician, wears all hats. And we talk about, uh, you know, he attended Blackbird when he moved to Nashville, and he got to learn from no other than John McBride and his teachings. Uh, We talk about him recording at uh, Bonnaroo, recording some great musicians and some pretty cool experiences there. Um, He does that every year. And we also talk about his own company, uh, his business called Healing House Recordings. So, yeah, enough of all that stuff. Let's get down to it. This is the very first episode with Will Kenzel. And you're listening to Paving a Path podcast. Yeah, dude. Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming by, man. I really appreciate it. Of course. Um, you said you
0: had to work late last night. I did. I was working till at least 1.30 last night. Yeah. Skirmerhorn Symphony Center.
1: Oh man, what was going on there?
0: Uh, it was a show. Uh. Um, Stephanie Mills, vocalist, done a lot of hits. Um. And the opener was William or Will someone or other. I got there late. I wasn't there for the full show. So, uh, yeah, we, you know, I don't I do not do a ton there. I'd push gear around and yeah, just kind of make sure the band's in and out on time. And then uh, I work for the house, too, which, you know, I work for Skirmerhorn. So uh, sometimes we need to put carpet on the stage for a more poppy act or, we might need to flip the floor, which means uh, take all the house seating, like all the chairs, and yeah. put them underground.
1: Um, How's, I've, I've never been there before. What is it? I bet it sounds pretty phenomenal in there.
0: Oh, it's amazing. It's, the, I think, the best sounding room in Nashville. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was designed to be that way. You know, yeah. It was designed to be an amazing sounding room. Um, they put a lot of money into making it that way, and... You know, you can stand on that stage and speak, and your voice will carry for days. Yeah, you can talk in a normal speaking voice just about, and hear somebody all the way in the back of the room Holy and cow. have a conversation with them.
1: That's that's beautiful, man. Yeah,
0: that's the sign of a good room. Do they me. record there? They do. Yeah, yeah, they record the symphony there. Um, that is Trevor Wilkinson. Um, he is, I think new as of two years ago to doing that, or pretty recently new to doing that, yeah. um, but they've been doing it there forever. I don't know who the guy was before, uh, but he's great, man. He really knows what he's doing.
1: Is, um, so is that like a steady gig for you?
0: It's, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. It's steady in that uh, I constantly get calls, and then uh, I have the option to take them or not take them yeah. um so it's great for That's nice. doing engineering work yeah yeah nice supplemental income uh guaranteed day rate so
1: where did you say you were from again pennsylvania yep yeah. yep
0: just outside of philly a little town called lansdale
1: okay when did you move to nashville
0: i moved the way i got here actually was kind of crazy um i'll actually take it back a little bit to why i moved here yeah um I was touring in a band called The Devil Nellies. And, I like that. Yeah, it was a funk band. Uh, lead singer's name was Nellie LeVon. That was her stage name. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we were just a funk band. Toured all up and down Route 81. Tried conquering that. We did it for, like, three years. Um, all the while, I had owned a studio in Lansdale. And so we were, like, recording a little bit there. And, you know... It was a very uh, mediocre setup, so the sounds were not awesome, and uh, so we decided we needed a better record. Uh, Nelly had a lot of funding from sources unknown, and uh, we took a trip to Nashville to record at Blackbird Studios.
1: And what year would you say this was?
0: That was twenty sixteen. Okay. No, uh, we did it twice actually, and the first time was the summer of twenty fifteen. And uh, that summer was crazy. We didn't have any material prepared. I think really both times we didn't have any material prepared. And we just kind of went down and got an Airbnb, wrote in the Airbnb that night for the session tomorrow, and came up with songs like On The Spot. And then Nelly would just like come up with lyrics in the studio and, and sometimes put those down or sometimes wait to go back to New York to do it. Uh, the band was New York-based. Gotcha. But uh, anyway, that's how I first came to Nashville, was through that band. Okay. And recording at Blackbird blew my mind, because I was interested in studio stuff, but had never really been to a studio yeah. of any caliber. You know? Right, yeah. And Blackbird is... Pristine. Pristine. It is the highest caliber of yeah. studio, in my opinion. Um, you can do anything that you want to there. They have everything ready to go. Great assistance, great amenities. Uh, it's very comfortable. That's awesome. So it's, it's the height of studios. And uh, through recording with them, we didn't actually book a, a typical session. Um, we booked through the Blackbird Academy, which is uh, a classroom that they have there. And the students record bands for experience uh, on the cheap, basically.
1: Yeah, I've heard of a, a few people, actually. Um, a coworker of mine, uh, he's got, I believe it's, I want to say it's a family member of his or a close friend, but he's uh, going through the academy right now there. So.
0: Oh, awesome. What's uh, what's his name? Do you know?
1: I, I know he's giving me his name. Unfortunately, I can't remember right now. I'll have to ask him and let you know, though. Yeah,
0: definitely let me know. Yeah. I missed the most recent social that they had. which is a teaser to I went to the Academy. (laughs) Um, But, yeah. uh, Anyway, um, recorded with the class, and uh, they have really high-caliber recording capabilities for really cheap. So we did that to get our first record. I fell in love with the class and decided I had to do it myself. Uh, So then officially started class at Blackbird January of 2017. Okay. And I knew I was going to Blackbird for a really long time, and I'm kind of lazy when it comes to life things that are not musical. So uh, I didn't have a place to live, and I decided to go on vacation right before I came down. So uh, I packed up my car full of everything. I had a minivan at the time, so I packed up my car full of everything, uh, told my parents, I'm out of here, and I left very suddenly to go to vacation in uh, North Carolina.
1: So they, they didn't, did they have any idea?
0: They had a, some idea. Like, they knew I were I was going to school yeah. in Nashville, uh, but they didn't know when I was leaving or where I was going to stay or anything like that. Gotcha. So, and neither did I. Yeah. So I, my friends went on vacation in North Carolina, and I went and had all my stuff in my car. We were in the mountains, so there was, like, no cell phone service, none of that. And it was great. <gasps> But then, randomly, I got one blip of cell phone service, and in that blip, I got a Facebook message from a great friend who said, hey, I heard you're moving to Nashville, do you need a place to stay? And I was like, oh my God. What are the chances? <laughs> what are the chances like of this? like it's meant to be now. hmm You gotta do it. hmm have to do it. Yeah. So, um, at the time, she had a boyfriend uh, who is now her husband, and he had a roommate that was moving out as soon as I was moving down. So I moved in with him and uh you know, been here ever since. Man. In the same apartment too. I haven't left. They have since gotten a house and everything, but wow. I took over their lease and it's been awesome.
1: Stuck some roots down. Absolutely. Real did, quickly. Did uh did the remaining half of the band they just stay what they were doing or did they relocate here or how so, did that so
0: yeah, that was a little juxtaposed. The band kinda disbanded um, for political reasons, mm-hmm. we don't really need to get into. But uh, <laughs> that band is really no longer. Um, gotcha. The, the core of the band, the instrumentalists, uh, Max Feinstein, uh, Jonathan Roxano, and Ben Scott, all have an amazing studio space in Hoboken. Uh, it's called Silver Horse Sound. Gotcha. Now, they're all amazing engineers. Uh, Max is more of a producer than an engineer. Uh, but still gets the job done. He knows how to... Damn, he knows how to get a good guitar tone, that guy. Uh, And they're all some of my favorite players, too. Um, So they have a sweet little thing going on in Hoboken. Um, Nelly has moved on to other things non-musical, so the band just kind of faded away.
1: So would you say, like, you know, obviously you were playing in this band, you were playing out, you guys were making a record, made a record, um... Did you know that you wanted to be on the other side of the board, or did you just want to go to Blackbird because you were like, I just want to get some experience that way, and that was just what you wanted to do at the time?
0: Well, I already owned a studio uh, before I even joined that band. Right. Um, really, when I was in the seventh grade, my mom decided to do voiceovers. She wanted to be a voiceover talent. That's super cool. And uh, she wasn't really... Super into working the computer, so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll take it over for a little bit, and I worked the computer for her while she did voiceovers when I was not at school. That's awesome. I kind of taught her how to use Pro Tools and all that. Um, she doesn't really do that anymore, but uh, I do. <laughs> I I kept on with Pro Tools and engineering, and that was kind of my first foray into it. And I'd been doing it my whole life uh, up until I went to traditional college for a year, realized it wasn't for me. Came back to Lansdale and opened up my own studio, Healing House Recordings. Yeah. And uh, that went on for about three-ish years. Um, got a lot of good experience in there. Had a lot of fun. Uh, my buddy, Tim Leslie, and I owned and operated that space for a while. And, uh, you know, it was just a little kind of art hub. Yeah. Which is always a good thing to have in a community. Yeah. Um, So, you know, we did that for about three years, and I was kind of into the engineering thing already, you know. Uh, So when I saw Blackbird, I was just blown away by the scope of it and seeing an actual mixer do his thing. You know, uh, John McBride recorded our first record there, and to hear his sounds and see what was sonically possible from mere mortals like us in the Devil Nellies, you know, like we don't sound like he made us sound. Right. and it was it blew me away. So uh, I was definitely captivated by the magic of that studio and um have been in Nashville ever since and have been spoiled by great studios and talented musicians and you know I'm, I don't think I'm leaving anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I know that's right. It's the energy in this town. It's I try to tell people that may have never been here, don't live here, but it for me, I just kind of feel it when you know, when you when you get into the city limits and like you're in the bubble of Nashville, it's just like an Aurora comes over me for some reason. Is Do you feel the same way?
0: There's definitely a vibe for yeah. sure. Um, it's I've I've been to well I lived in Philly. I live in Nashville now and I've been to L.A. and all all three regions, you know, the music hubs have their own distinct thing about yeah. them. You know, um, what were you doing out in L.A.? My uncle lives out there, okay. so uh, visiting him and yeah. just kind of checking it
1: out—that's cool. Yeah. So um, when you got through Blackbird, were you—you know—you were getting towards the end of that. Were you thinking, <clears throat> okay, I still want to—I want to be in a band, or I want to keep playing music, or I just strictly want to focus on being—you know—basically putting all your energy into one side, not quitting one or the other. But you kind of wanted to focus on being behind the board at that time.
0: Um, I did. I think when I made the decision to go to Blackbird, uh, I thought that it was time to really put my energy into that. For whatever reason, it was making me the happiest. So, um, you know, I followed that. And, uh, you know, when you graduate audio engineering school, the next thing you do is you get an internship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got an internship at Starstruck Studios, uh, which was life changing as well. Um, and kind of really solidified, like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. And then also through there, uh, I got to watch session musicians play and hear some of the most incredible playing that I've ever heard in my life in seconds, you know, for anyone who knows how that works, it's crazy. And, you know, I thought to myself, like, I'm okay at the piano. I'm competent enough to hold my own at a gig or play, play a show or jam or whatever, But I'm not ever going to get to that level. The amount of hours it would take me to get there is insane. I feel like I already kind of have a knack for the engineering thing. So, you know, went went that way.
1: I've been in Starstruck, and, and like, it's a beautiful studio, well put together. You can definitely tell that they put, you know, the right money in the right places to build that. What would you say um, was, like, one specific, you know, session or moment at Starstruck while you were interning on the job that really sticks out to you?
0: Man, there's, there's a lot of little moments, um, that kind of add up to a big picture. Yeah. Um, things as simple as, uh, one of their house engineers, Chris Ashburn, he's an amazingly talented engineer.
1: I love Ashburn, man. I only met him a couple times, but he's a super nice guy.
0: Oh yeah. He's the best. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, He, you know, one of my first days working there, I was doing a setup, and I remember it so clearly. I was setting up an acoustic guitar rig. He probably doesn't even, he doesn't even think twice about this. He just yelled at me one time and was like, whatever. But (laughs) (laughs) I was setting up an acoustic guitar station, and it was one of my first times setting up any station at Starstruck, so it was kind of like, I don't know how they like things. Um, I'm just going to do my best here. And I set it up kind of uh how blackbird would do it ish because they have you know different stuff but right uh chris came up and he was like who the hell set up this acoustic rig <laughs> i was like oh that was me And he was like come up here and he was like sit in this chair and he sat he sat me down on the acoustic player's chair and he was like now if you were the acoustic player would you be able to get to your cue box are your headphones ready are you comfortable? I was like, Well, not really, but I figured he would adjust that. He's like, No, sir. We do things for them here at Starstruck. We make it comfortable so that all they have to do is walk in here and play. Man. What and, a guy, dude. Yeah. I was like So knowledgeable. What what a philosophy, you know, like it's the little things that really make sessions flow. Flow. Yeah. And that's how you get the best product. And you may not think that Moving the cue box a little bit closer to the acoustic guitar player is going to have an effect, but I really do believe that in some way, if the acoustic guitar player is moving that table, he's in that moment not thinking about music, and whatever train of thought he had going on about his part that he was about to play, he lost it right yeah. there, you know so yeah. I think it's all all little things like that that add up to a great experience at starstruck
1: yeah and not even between but between starstruck and you know blackbird would you say that's where you started to meet a lot of you know people out in the community and, and networking so to speak instead of like you know obviously you can go to shows and do stuff like that but you're working with some of these people on a daily basis so you're probably building a pretty you know good relationship with them would you say that's where you started to meet a lot of a lot of people in town sure
0: yeah um, through blackbird you meet tons and tons of people uh Mark Rubel, the instructor there, one of the instructors uh knows endless amounts of people. I looked at his <clears throat> excuse me, I looked at his uh recent call list on Skype one time while I was in class, and it was like Steve Albini, George massenberg uh uh Sylvia Massey, just like <laughs> I'm like, are you serious like this these are just the top three yeah just call I, him yeah, say, he just hey, what's had up? like crazy yeah. contacts uh, through being a wonderful guy and you know introduces you to endless amounts of cool people
1: yeah
0: and uh they're very real human beings you know they are put on a pedestal because engineering is often blown out of proportion um it's not that important what we're doing but we're making art and that's kind of cool yeah Yeah. Uh, so you meet these people you think you're never going to meet because of this pedestal and it really kind of Takes them off the pedestal and makes them real human beings, and uh, you're able to network and connect with them through that way. And a lot of Blackbird students wind up with internships through that, yeah, uh, or jobs. Even Mark Rubel gets people jobs. Yeah,
1: and that's great, man. It's it's people like that in the community or any community for that matter that you know, help sustain the younger generation coming in to be able to keep doing these jobs and keep making great music, you know? Um, In your mind, what, for you, you know, personally, what makes a great recording?
0: Whoa. Um, A lot of things. A great recording could be sonically great, such as the typical Steely Dan's Asia, Um, sonically amazing record, But then it could also just feel really great and be really raw and visceral, kind of like uh, a lot of the Betty Davis stuff, I think, feels that way. Um, There's, oh, uh, my girlfriend Emma was just playing this early Aretha record the other day where she's singing with a gospel choir. Oh, my gosh. And it's got to be like one, maybe two microphones, and the choir is just big and full and amazing, and then Aretha is so powerful. She's, like, making the microphone distort sometimes. And the engineer probably didn't even care. He probably wasn't even listening to the microphones. He's probably just captivated by Aretha. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, that kind of recording is great to me because right. that's that's a moment in time that was captured, and that's really what we're doing with recording. I love that. Yeah. Uh, but then if you have time and and the money to do it and you can – take that visceral recording and shine it up to an asia standard or uh you know a prince standard or something like that yeah uh i think that is just the icing on top that's the that's the the cupcake what no that's (laughs) (laughs) that's the icing on top of the cake yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's
1: somewhere up there yeah it's 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 below the cherry yeah yeah, exactly you know uh that's funny yeah man um When you moved here, you know, and you started, you started, you know, getting out, networking, you were, uh, you know, you were recording, you know, at Starstruck and you went to the Academy at Blackbird, like I said, what do you think has been like a key thing for you coming out of that stuff and kind of getting more into the community and not so much as being an intern and, you know, kind of just once that ends you don't stop you know you keep going and you keep meeting people what what has been you know your your you know not to be pun not intended but your path of sure. you know getting to that
0: um yeah uh it's been a lot of different things um you know the the core of it all has been engineering and the drive to want to do that and I do that every day, whether I have a client or not, you know, I'm mixing something, um, whether it's something old that I want to try and remix, or, you know, I'm mixing every day or recording something every single day. Uh, So that never goes away. And I think the fact that I am going to do that regardless uh, means that like, oh, I should at least try and make some money while doing it. Um, so that I can live and, yeah. and do what I'm going to do every day anyway, right. you know? So, um, I think once my official internship at Starstruck was over, that thought was kind of going on in my head. And I kind of said, how can I stay on longer at Starstruck? I'm meeting some people through here. I'm, uh, learning some good things through here. And, uh, I, you know, found a little job that was only one day a week there, um, I worked the front desk and answered phone calls for him and, um, you know, got the door and scheduled things for a bit. And, you know, it was one day a week, but it kept me at starstruck and it, you know, allowed me to keep my key card to the building so I could get in there when I wanted to and, you know, practice recording there or whatever. Um, and recently actually that's been bumped up to more days. And I think that's a key to, uh, Like a key point to how to succeed really in this business is just be a good guy, show up to the job no matter how little it is, and do your best. Just show up and be a good guy or person. You know, just be a good person, do good work, and be a positive force. And people are gonna respond to that and and really say like, "Hey, who's that dude who was in here? Who was you know? Yeah, man. Where was that person?" That, um,
1: that goes such a long ways, especially, like you're saying, being a good person. Um, you know, this is an industry where it can be tough and mm-hmm. people can be tough. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you're dealing with a lot of egos.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Everybody in the room's got an ego, you know, because, you know, they're contributing their own talent to this individual piece of art project that we're about to put together. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, <clears throat> it's not that everybody walks in there with that ego, but you got to have a little bit of it because you deserve to be there. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I met you at starstruck through Brandon, Brandon Moore. And man, I thought the exact same thing after I met you, I was like, man, that guy is so nice. (laughs) That's, That's what I said after you left. I mean, I told Brandon, I was like, dude, Will is just a cool guy. He's just so nice.
0: Well, yeah. Uh, I didn't have anyone to tell, but I thought the same thing about y'all when, when you left. <laughs> you went told back, my just girlfriend. Told her to the room. Yeah, I was like, man, that was really fun. <laughs> yeah,
1: put it in the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, you you told um, you told uh, I believe we were talking at Starstruck at one point when me and Brandon were doing a session and you were in the other room, and you were I believe you were working with Ryan Hewitt. Is that who it was? Uh,
0: I was interning with Ryan okay. for for a bit.
1: Yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Um, It was not a very long tenure yeah. uh, with Ryan. It was about five individual days yeah. spread out over a couple of weeks. Um, he was looking for a new assistant at the time. Um, and Ryan is another amazing, amazing, amazing mixer yeah. and recording engineer. Uh, I got to sit in on some crazy things with him. Um, and, you know, just being around him... Uh, you know, if you know anything about Ryan, his dad was a recording engineer. Recorded. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh yeah, he had, uh, I forget what it was called, I think the record plant maybe it was, uh, okay. but it was a mobile recording truck, Yeah. and he recorded, you know, ACDC, Fleetwood Mac. Is that you know. who
1: you're doing Bonnaroo with when you go, or is it... No, that's, that's somebody else. Okay, we'll that's, get to that in a second. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, Ryan was just kind of like, hey, I'm looking for an assistant. You want to come intern for me and see if it's a good fit. Um, and ultimately through doing that, I learned a ton in even those five days. Uh, but it just, you know, wasn't what I wanted to do at the time. Yeah. Um, I, I was talking to his current assistant at the time and it was really like a, an all the time job as it should be. If you're yeah. assisting a well-known engineer, you should be his right hand, you know, you're there right. all the time. And, uh, I was kind of looking for something, either a little more casual or even, you know, nothing at all. I had I had clients um, that I would have lost if I had taken that job, and I was kind of not willing to do that because I was a little, you know, we were working on stuff, and um, I really liked my clients, and they had helped support me, and I wanted to help support them back, and yeah. you know, so I'd, I wasn't willing to give up my clients was really the root of it. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, I mean, I learned a ton, and Ryan is great, and we just kind of decided to part ways.
1: Yeah, so tell me, tell me a little bit about how Bonnaroo came about.
0: Um, yeah, so Bonnaroo is a crazy, well, it's a music festival, but what I do there is a crazy week-long adventure called the Haybale Studio, and uh, that's run by Lid Shaw, and. He is another great engineer in town there's that's the other thing about this town man. There's endless amounts of great people uh, talented people. It
1: just, really is man. it's, it's insane to you think you can just about. walk out your front door
0: and <laughs> just about yeah yeah
1: you can probably go knock on your neighbor's door and find yeah. you know like oh I need a guitar player or a yeah. drummer or something. They're like, oh yeah, you got three doors down yeah, right.
0: I'll never forget uh, one of the first shows I went to in Nashville I showed up and was at the five spot and uh me too dude yeah love that love that, that venue spot. is amazing and uh paid my my ticket price to the guy at the door and he like stamped my hand or whatever and then i walked like not even two feet and i looked back at him and he was practicing drums on a drum pad <laughs> i was like man everyone here please it's right crazy <laughs> right
1: you know uber a or lyft or, <clears throat> excuse me anything like that and, it's it's crazy, like, the stories and, and the things, like, you know, you can just talk about with everybody. And it, it's so cool because, like, you come here to do music, and that's what you want to do. And being around so many like-minded individu- individuals, it, it's hard not to, you know, just feel great every day mm-hmm. getting up and going and doing what you love. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, man. That's. Um, what was the original question?
1: I think I forgot. I forgot, too, man. <laughs>
0: Just went on a tangent.
1: Yeah, if if you had um one oh mic- wait
0: it was Bonaroo. Yeah, yeah, there we go. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, so yeah, talented people. Speaking of talented people, Lid Shaw, um, he's awesome. He's the owner of the Toy Box Studios, uh, and that's on uh, well, I'm not gonna say where it is, but it's located in East Nashville. Yeah. And uh, it's really cool. It's been there for, I believe, 15 years. He's been owning and operating it forever and, you know, has a lot of good experience. So we together go do the Hay Bale Studio at Bonnaroo, which is basically um, a single wide trailer that Bonnaroo purchases for the festival. And they kind of tear out the insides and um, divide it into two separate rooms with glass in the middle as you would see in a studio yeah uh, and it's super tiny man like we squeeze sometimes seven or eight people into like a, a single wide trailer you know like the size of a living room and it's got a full drum kit we got electric guitars we got bass amps we got everything percussion and live vocals and like yeah. the whole bit kind of like jamming the van a little yeah bit. yeah pretty much yeah um I think they might be a little smaller even than us.
1: Yeah, I would say so if you're talking about, you know, a trailer. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um uh and the whole trailer is surrounded by hay bales, hence the name. Uh and the hay bales are there for soundproofing basically because we're right behind one of the biggest stages at Bonnaroo.
1: Man, that's pretty cool.
0: So uh yeah, it's it's a great gig. It's really fun. Um and we record the tagline is 40 bands in 4 days. Wow. Uh and it's not you been You guys are busy. Yeah, well, I mean, we're still busy. It's not quite that busy yeah. uh, as of late, but it's still pretty busy. You know, I think this past year we recorded about twenty-five ish bands, something yeah. like that, and in four days. That's still a good, a good bit of bands, good amounts of bands. Um, so uh, yeah, the bands will come in, um, and it's everybody. From you know somebody who won a lightning 100 contest to the school of Rock kids to uh, we had walk the moon in this year and we had uh, Steve Earle in this year. Um, last year we had Cheryl uh, uh, Crow, or yeah, yeah, we had Cheryl Crow in. Yeah, we we got some. I it's so many I can't even remember sometimes. Um, Alt J, you know, just crazy yeah. people. So uh, we. Bring them in, and they choose to sometimes do an acoustic set, and it's a very stripped-down version of what they do. Uh, and sometimes they want to bring everything, and they want to bring all their synths and all the the full shebang. So we record that too. Do you and, have uh, any
1: uh, specific session in that time frame that you know just stands out to you, or that maybe it spoke to you a little more than the others? Um, you're like, no, they were all just fantastic Man,
0: the very first session i mean they're all fantastic yeah i course. blown away by the talent every year right but it had the, to have
1: been like one that spoke to you a little bit though
0: yeah definitely um ron gallo uh came to bonnaroo last year and i've only been doing this for two years with lidge um so last year he was the very first session i ever did at bonnaroo he came in on a thursday morning i believe it was or thursday afternoon yeah and just came in, him, keyboards, bass, and drums, and just rocked the <laughs> fucking house. It literally. was literally amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. Um, and I had listened to his records and stuff before because he's, uh, I believe, from Philly as well. Okay. And now lives in East Nashville. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and he's just an amazing musician, amazing guy. Yeah. Um, and I you know, had heard his records and been like, oh, cool, they do a lot of good stuff in the studio. And then he played his stuff. I was like, what the hell? Like, this is exactly like the record. It's amazing. Yeah. It was so good. Oh, that's so, such a great feeling. Just man. so tight. And, you know, Lidge and I worked, like, Lidge's is uh, doing a lot of the mixing on the board while the tracking is going down. And uh beforehand, I'm like hearing the drummer playing, I'm getting levels on the drums. And hearing right. the guitar player playing, I'm pulling up his levels and... Um, this is a fun, fast-paced yeah, environment. Yeah, you know, we, like the band his... comes in, and I pull up the levels, Lidge places the mics, which seems backwards, but that's often how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Then uh, we have an hour to do all of that, record three songs, mix it in real time, and then a, a two-mix is sent over to Joe Hutchinson, who's a mastering engineer. He masters it pretty much live in real time. Uh, he records it through some gear live in real time, and then we'll do some fixes in the computer afterwards, and then uh, it's sent to the radio, all of this, in, in under one hour. Wow. Um,
1: Talk about some, you know, getting some knowledge. So, yeah,
0: definitely. You have to be on it, and you have to have a system. Lidge has a good system. your hands dirty, man. Mm-hmm. You
1: know, uh, under that... Time pressure and everything going on, mm-hmm. just do the best you can. And I, f- do you feel like in some of those situations, you probably make some of the better recordings? You know, definitely, yeah,
0: definitely. Um, there was a, a Tyler Childers session that we did. Yeah, and big fan of Childers, man. Me too. And he came in, just him, in an acoustic guitar, and he played, uh, uh Lady May. And Nose on the Grindstone, which are two of my favorite of (laughs) his tunes. And I think personally, personally, this is (laughs) personal opinion, that our recordings beat the record that those are actually released and on a record label, you know, they're out. And the recordings that we did, I think, are better than those. I could be a little biased just because I was there and in the room, you know, a lot of factors to that. But I love the way that those recordings came out. That's um, awesome. And the fact that we just came in, he sat down. We plopped mics on him. Didn't fuss with them too much. We yeah. got. We made sure it sounded like a guitar and a vocal. And he just played. Man. And that is some of the best stuff to me. Um, I often try and do that with the bands that I record. Um, I just have everything set up and ready to go at any moment. You know. So if you want to hop over to a vocal, you can go over and do it. If we want to cut another track as a live band, we can go and do it and capture that energy. Yeah,
1: um, it's keeping the workflow alive. I mean, exactly, like you said, it's ev- that it's all about flow. It goes honestly. back to uh, what Ashburn was saying. You know, kind of just having everything not be of an interruption. You yeah, know?
0: yeah, just no distractions, just yeah. purely music while you're there.
1: Yeah, that's that's amazing, man. Um, so, what have you been up to here recently?
0: Man, just, uh, recording the Highway Natives. Oh, uh, you and, gotta uh, drop that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that's what it's been, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that's what we're doing. Yeah, that's yeah. what's going on. Um, it's the shit. And, uh, also, I've uh, been working with a band, Sweet Fever.
1: Okay, yeah, I remember you telling me about them.
0: Those are some cats They right got there. some cool stuff, man. Yeah. I've listened. Yeah. Great records, They're you, man. super young and super talented. Yeah. Um,
1: a lot of energy, it seems. You
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of energy. There. The vibe is definitely there, man. Um, yeah, there were some crazy sessions. I remember, you know, we had a lockout at the studio we were in, so we were there for endless hours, three-day lockout. Man. And, uh, man, I can remember, like, 1.30 in the morning, <laughs> Jake, the bass player, is like, in boots and his boxers doing pushups <laughs> on the floor, you know, just trying to like get ready for the next take.
1: Yeah. It's like,
0: man, these cats are just in it. They're in it, man. <laughs> and, saturated. Yeah. And they love getting into the, the studio side of things too, yeah. which, which is cool as an engineer. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they're willing to take the time and experiment and, you know, maybe this is not the guitar amp or, yeah. uh, let's try it over mic or whatever. And they're very, uh, forgiving when we have technical difficulties and things like that because oftentimes when you go into a new studio and you've never been there before there's a lot that goes wrong
1: right, um, right
0: there's just a lot that you don't know about and you know that's often the case in nashville is uh for me anyway right now everybody that i record kind of comes to me and says hey i booked to the studio can you be my engineer and i'm like okay you know, I've never been there, but right. we're, we're going to go in there and we're do it. to do it, yeah. And that's kind of what Blackbird prepares you for, is being able to walk into any room in town, look at the gear, understand the most important parts of it, and get a session up and rolling. Yeah. Um, which is invaluable. You know, I, I see a lot of other people in town trying to do this job who can't do that, um, which really speaks to how good Blackbird is, you know. Yeah, you were saying... I couldn't do that before I went there. Now yeah, I can
1: right. And you were saying earlier that, like, I'm going to... I don't remember, like, verbatim exactly what you said, but you were just talking about how being an engineer, like, I and correct me if I'm wrong, you said something like, it's not that hard or it's not that big of a deal or, like, what we're doing, we're just capturing the sound. But in the sense of things, you know, you're keeping the vibe alive, too, you know, because, like, we're talking about the flow, everything going on, and it's just... it. I think that is definitely, like you're saying, probably one thing that I feel myself personally. Some people um, in the music industry, on the creative side of things, don't understand how big of a deal that the actual vibe of where you're at, what you're doing, and that everybody is feeling makes a difference. Would you say the same?
0: Um, I yes, I'd say like maybe sixty percent of the time, the vibe is super important. Um, there are sessions that I've been on, uh, that are session musicians that could honestly care less about the music that they're playing. They're 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 there to work. You know, it's their right, job. Right. Right. So, uh, the know. vibe is not super duper important. I mean, if you're wasting time and things are going wrong, then the vibe definitely goes sour, and the musicians Absolutely. are not happy, and the client is not happy because those musicians are expensive. Yeah. But an air of positivity is not necessarily needed to get great stuff because those guys are awesome and they're going to get great stuff regardless of how they're feeling that day. Right. Um, when you're recording an indie record or a band who's just trying to make it, or even a band who's well-established and is trying to make something that they love, the vibe is, is pretty important. It's pretty key. Um, you know, if you're, you're locked in a room together for like 14 hours sometimes. So if yeah. you're not somebody that they want to come and talk to and bounce ideas off of and somebody that they can feel that they can say like, hey, I don't love this guitar tone. Can we talk about it? You know, uh, and you can talk about it without getting mad or upset that they're mad at you or that they're like not enjoying the sounds that you made, like just work through it with them and uh, keep that positive flow going. That's super important, you know. And sometimes, uh, weirdly, the opposite is needed. You know, like when the guitar player comes in and says, "Hey man, I'm not. I'm still not loving my tone." And it's like the 18th time he's come in. You gotta just be like, "Fuck you, man. Yeah. Go go record this song and just play it. You know, yeah. we'll we'll mess with it afterwards. Yeah. Or, you know, just get real in their face and intense. And I'm not very good at doing that. Yeah, Um, but it's what it's what's needed sometimes. Yeah, you
1: gotta trust what's going on. Yeah, you you just gotta
0: really be have have your finger on the vibe of the room and cater to that. Yeah, and uh, you know if the vocalist sometimes wants to like record seven harmonies, it's often quicker to do it than to convince them to not do that. So (laughs) just do it, right? And be aware of of. You know, the person, are they getting fatigued? Are they going in a weird direction? Right. And try and control that, um, which is another th- thing that I, th- I feel I should mention. Um, a lot of times now, the line between producer and engineer is a little blurred. Mm-hmm. So uh, classically, the engineer is just there to hit record and listen to the band or the producer and say like, hey, this guitar tone is not bright enough. Make it brighter. And the engineer does that. Right. You know, now, um, oftentimes the engineer is saying like, Hey, I think maybe this could be a little brighter or, uh, maybe you don't need to record seven vocals. You know, like that was not the engineer's role just 20, 30 years ago. right? And, uh, so it feels a little odd to me sometimes to say that stuff because maybe they have a vision that I don't see. Right. And these seven vocals are going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I do sometimes feel that uh, people, at least at the level I'm working at right now, can come into a studio sometimes for the first time and get a little lost and oh, yeah. and just kind of want to record everything because they now have the possibility right, to right. do that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's all about maintaining a workflow and just making sure that things don't get too out of hand and that if they are getting too out of hand, it's for a good reason.
1: Yeah. Well, everything is so like at our fingertips these days. So like you're saying, you know, you get in there and you haven't taken necessarily a lot of time to really like hone in on the arrangement of what you're wanting to do. You know, you can get lost and like, well, maybe it needs this or maybe it needs this. And it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like sitting at home on your computer building a beat or something. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you kind of, you kind of just take it a little too far. You're like, Oh man, I got to dial some of that back. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, can't that's...
0: tell you like how many times I'm sent a mix, and most of what I'm doing for the first like two or three hours is muting stuff. Yeah. You know, just yeah. doesn't need this, doesn't need this. Right.
1: I was reading an article on um, Sound on Sound one time about, uh, you may know, I feel bad, I can't remember his name, but he he ended up um, recording the Lumineers, I think, for their debut, or, or I don't know if it's their debut record, but it was one that had ho Hey on it.
0: I'm pretty sure that's Ryan Hewitt. Was it? I think so. I know he works with the Lumineers. Okay. Well, um that may have been him.
1: Yeah, I feel terrible. I can't remember. We'll have to Fact look check. up look up the article. Yeah. We need we need somebody like Joe Rogan to look it up. Yeah, you know, exactly. Right? Um, but anyways, he was saying that I guess in the early stages of them recording that that record, they did they recorded either most of it or all of it in Nashville at one point and then that was before whoever was producing it. Came in and um, he said there was just a lot going on, a little too much. And if you're familiar with that song, I mean, that song's pretty stripped down, mm-hmm. and uh, but it sounds so big at the same time, you mm-hmm. know? And so he said kind of the same thing you just said. He was sitting there, you know, for the first half, just kind of muting things or taking these tracks away that didn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. And all they had to do was go in and re record maybe like the stomps or the claps or something like that. And then I think he suggested they add in the hohey or something like that. So it was, mm-hmm. it comes back to what you're saying. Just, you know, you don't want to put too much on there. It's it's mm-hmm. always about what's just needed.
0: Yeah. And I'll say too, that that's uh, sometimes very genre specific. You know, some pop productions work best with 100 tracks yeah. where, you know, in a verse you have like a little blip that, only happens for that one verse but you need to have it on its own track because it's its own thing you know um so having a lot of things in a song is not necessarily a bad thing but i think it's important to realize how those things are working together and uh that's where producing really really comes in is saying uh hey i don't think this shaker part should be eighth notes i think we should only do it on the quarter notes because it grooves a little better you know uh, just being able to recognize groove and how individual parts are locking together in their frequency spectrum and their uh, rhythmic spectrum and all of this has a lot of crossover to engineering, is not engineering fundamentally, but is kind of becoming engineering. Yeah. And, uh, yeah.
1: Is that is that, like, frustrating to you? Because I, I know it, it probably adds a little bit of confusion when you're sitting there.
0: Yeah, well, I'll tell you the most... It's not ever really frustrating because right. I, I love music and I love and making creative. music yeah. and I feel uh, I'm at my best when somebody comes to me with an idea and is like, Hey, help me make this a little better. Yeah. And I'm like, Yeah, that's that's where my home runs come from sometimes. But it is a little annoying when uh you know, a band will say something like, Oh man, we had a producer but You're doing such a good job. We just fired him, you know? And it's kind (laughs) of like, all right, cool. Okay. Well, you're going to pay that dude. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah. what's going on here? What's going on here? Like, are you just trying to save money or like, are you paying me more for doing more work now? You know, like, there's, it gets a little convoluted when it comes to the money thing. Got to be open, you know? Exactly. Still Uh, a business. Exactly. And, you know, uh, the lines between art and commerce are super blurred in the recording industry and it's hard to balance them sometimes but uh you know i think if you just are upfront with it get it out of the way and say like hey if you want me to produce and be really hands on with the sounds and and the tone choices and the arrangement it's going to be you know a little bit extra yeah um yeah just because it is you know another job right, really right right you have to use another side of your brain
1: yeah so let let's like say we're gonna go back now and some individual you know maybe a younger younger you know boy or girl 18 19 sitting at home in the in their you know home state outside of maybe some small town and in, in you know Georgia or something they're like man i I really want to move to Nashville I'm thinking about getting into audio engineering you know what would what what do you feel would be good advice that you really didn't no, coming here that now you do know and you wish you would have known
0: go to blackbird <laughs> <laughs> that easy yeah Dumb. uh no that's that's an amazing thing to do uh, but i'll say coming from and um, some somebody from georgia might not need to know this but coming from philly uh the way that you network down here and the way that you do business is vastly different um So if you're coming from a Northeast kind of mentality where you're just trying to get things done and let's do it right now and let's do it quickly and let's do the best job we can for the cheapest money and I don't care who it is, if it's good work, let's do it, you know, that's kind of how I operated for a long time and would, you know, go out and hang with some friends and just be like, so what are we doing? Are we going to record tomorrow? You know, and just bring it up right away. Yeah. Trying that down here does not work. <laughs> does not work. Um, and for good reason, you know, like, uh, people down here in the South uh, just want to be friends, which south. is yeah. in the South. Yeah, man, they, they just want to be friends. The Southern hospitality. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing at all. Yeah. It's, just, it's just, you know, a different way of growing up and a different lifestyle. Right. Uh, different way of doing business. So yeah. if you come here and... Uh, you approach a band who just got off stage and you're like, man, you were great. I want to record you. I find personally, they're a little put off by that. Um, And it's kind of like, whoa, I don't even know who you are. Yeah. Let's go hang out and let's go. Let's get to know each other. Yeah, exactly. Let's see if this will even work. Right. Which, you know, ultimately makes the session, in my opinion, a lot better. Yeah. Makes Um, anything better. Yeah. If you're not vibing with the person from, from the jump, you might not get great stuff in the studio. So, you know, um, that would be my one piece of advice is really, uh, if you want to move to Nashville, approach everything you're doing with a good attitude and with the intent of making a friend, you know, that's great. just, yeah. just be friendly and, you know, maybe you'll start talking and then you'll bring up that you're an engineer yeah. and then that's happened to me so many times they're like, Oh man, you engineer I actually, I actually need an engineer
1: and then you end up knowing like three people that they know. Yeah, exactly. And then you really start to hit it off. And know? that's,
0: that's the growth right there is it's all word of mouth in Nashville. Yeah. Um, you need a website just so that when people hear about you, they can check you out sometimes and yeah. like, Oh, my friend recommended this, this Jordan guy. Like, let me go Yeah. check well, his website out or whatever. Healing
1: house. You know, mm-hmm. you've got, you got a website up and you know, Facebook page and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so how did that necessarily, I know you talked about Healing House starting and stuff, but are you, obviously, are you wanting to get to the point where you have, like, your own studio and, you know, that would be Healing House, or is Healing House bigger than just a studio? <laughs>
0: um, wow. Healing House will be a, a brick-and-mortar studio yeah. at some point, maybe not actual brick and mortar it might take a lot of different <laughs> forms but uh yeah yeah um i've had a goal for a long time of finding a church that is no longer a church and purchasing that um and living and working out of that using the sanctuary as the recording space
1: i love that idea dude um that sounds just that sounds great
0: yeah yeah i think so so that's that's definitely a goal Um but also one of my one of my big passions is mobile engineering, being able to take a rig out somewhere and capture anything anywhere. That's fun. You know, out in the woods on the beach uh, anywhere. Yeah. Um so I've always wanted to have a mobile truck too that would fall under the healing house name. So it's probably bigger than just a, a studio space, you know, but um Another dream of mine that I had, was, uh, I dream all day long, man. You got <laughs> to
1: you gotta keep it alive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, growing up, I went to a really big church all my life. And, you know, like, have three services a day, a thousand people at every service or whatever, just like a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, that was such a big church that it kind of made me think like, man, it'd be cool to use the sanctuary as like the main recording room And then have all these little auxiliary offices be just, like, isolated mixing booths that engineers could rent out, like, offices, just, like, creative workspaces, you know? Yeah. So I think it'd be really cool to have something like that, too, where an engineer could just come in and he knows he's going to have great gear. He can get a bunch of gear from anywhere in the building. He can have his office there that he pays rent on or she pays rent on and, you know, can just have a little office space where things are created and people can be in the same building and talk to each other and share ideas, you yeah. know. I like that, man. Um, Cuz that's kind of what's missing a lot of the time. People are in their basement or they're in their bedroom and you know a lot of these younger engineers are not in a space like that where you know I talk about the 70s engineering a lot, but there's a lot of things that are valuable about that, you know, studio A, B and C in any given studio were booked all the time. And whoever was in those rooms could walk out and see each other and collab and talk. and
1: It's the same concept of like we're talking around town, like networking and talking to people. And Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, one musician or engineer, whoever, meets another one in that specific moment. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you're sparking a collaborative possibility or some interest of some sort or making the project what it wouldn't be if it weren't for that situation. Mm
0: -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And... You know, sometimes it also, you know, nothing comes of it. Um, I'll say that for every, like, hundred business cards I hand out, I get one phone call. Yeah. Um, you just got to be a guy about town, honestly. Like, Nashville is growing. There's a lot more people here than there used to be. It might take a little longer to get your name out there just because there are so many people doing it. So, um, you know, just you got to be willing to be patient. You got to make your money before, like, don't do the engineering thing so much that you can't pay your rent. Yeah. Uh, that's not smart. Gotta pay the bills. Yeah, find a way, there, there are ways to get jobs that still allow you to engineer, that you won't be so burnt out at the end of the day that you can't engineer.
1: And I think what some people don't think about is paying the bills isn't a bad thing, like having a steady gig to pay the bills, regardless if it's music or not, is helping you sustain that's helping you, like, stay in the scene. Absolutely. Whereas if you were broke and had to move back home or, like, have to, you know, bum off dad or mom for a little bit longer and then come back or something, It, you know, I don't think people should look negatively upon that because that's no. becoming fairly more popular today, too, I think. Sure,
0: you know? sure. I think it, it gives you a good peace of mind, too. Yeah. And it allows you to, you know, be a little more creative when you're doing that. Right. The argument I hear from young engineers all the time is, like, man, work my restaurant job for 12 hours and then I come home and and I don't want to record you know I'm just kind of burnt out and I I get that you know that's a restaurant job maybe is not the job then though you know like that is the thing that's making you burn out there are other jobs out there go find another one
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely and honestly though like if it's a tiredness or you know a lack of creativity or whatever that's different but you know if you're tired you you're, you're going to stay tired i mean mm-hmm. that's, you're going to have to work hard mm-hmm. and uh, i think i think that 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 makes a big difference too mm-hmm. you know so many talented people here but mm-hmm. you still got to be able to work hard mhm so
0: that's the thing like when session time does come around oftentimes you are working those 14 hour days and yeah you got to be okay with being tired you know and a lot of times they don't feel like 14 hour days cuz you're doing music um but, yeah, you just got to be able to be tired and creative at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how it goes.
1: This has been fun, man. Uh, Definitely. I appreciate you coming by, dude. Yeah. What, are you, uh, what do you got planned for the rest of the day?
0: Mixing, honestly. Mixing. Yeah. Going yeah, I'm mixing it. that Sweet Fever record. Look for the Sweet Fever record. Uh, I don't know when it's dropping, but uh, there's a single coming out soon, and it's going to be great. It's so, going to
1: be great. Well, man. Thank you so much for coming by, dude. Yeah. Really of enjoyed course. the hell out of it. Of so. course.
0: All right, man. Thank Thanks. you for having me.
1: So there you guys have it. Will Kenzel came in, talked a bunch of stuff, good stuff. Paving his path out there in the world. It's a beautiful world. And uh we'll catch you guys next time on Paving a Path podcast.